Hello and welcome to the 154th episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what the influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Children of Zodiacs by Cardboard Utopia. Jason. Hey. Who are you and what do you do? Uh, my name is Jason and uh, I am the creative director and studio head for Cardboard Utopia. Excellent name for a developer, by the way. Oh, thanks. Normally it's a colour and an animal, but not this time. No, no. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not yeah. sure what a Cardboard Utopia would be, though. Have you ever, I mean, is it something that you want to create? Is it something you haven't really thought about or is it just random ones you squash together? Uh, no, the um, the name actually came from uh, like well a lot of thinking and talking uh, with a friend of mine. Okay. Um, basically, we were trying to figure it out, figure out a name that like really spoke to our values of, of what the studio would be and everything, and but but um, but actually be something that can kind of stand on its own. And uh, then my friend uh, he hit on this idea of cardboard utopia. And the name, uh, where it comes from, its direct reference, is um, it's this place in North Korea called uh, Kijongdong. Uh, it's this village, town, not sure what you want to call it, uh, that's on the North Korean side of the DMZ, demilitarized zone between North and South Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was built, and you know, it's all flashy and everything, like, oh, look how big our flagpole is, and look how, look at our awesome uh, five-story apartment complexes, and et cetera, et cetera. And, um, uh, like, you know, it was, like, really cool looking. But then, um, upon closer inspection, uh, it was noticed that it's empty. That there's nothing inside the buildings. Uh, it's just like concrete floors and a light bulb and oh, no God, windows. No, please don't tell me. No, they didn't. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. It was. It, I mean, now it's dubbed as uh, propaganda village. Right. Because uh, it was just there, like you know, just show off how great they are. Maybe try to convince some people to uh, to uh, you know, like come to North Korea and things like that. Um, yeah, and so. And I thought that idea was just brilliant. I mean, just as a political, uh, just as this this entity, that um, they put so much effort into building this thing that was like looked great on the outside, and but just completely shallow and empty on the inside. Uh, and that's where the the reference of Carbor Utopia, of where it's like uh, Kijong Dong is like looks all great, like a utopia type of thing, but. It, it has no scratch, substance. Scratch the surface, it is nothing. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing no, exactly. Wow. Um, but then, I mean, we, I mean, we kind of started thinking about that further, and where, uh, where it really, uh, where it really spoke to us was that um, it also came across <clears throat> with this whole idea of when we are, uh, like, you know, when you're a kid and you're building, uh, you know, building a fort that even like a cardboard box with your, you know, with your imagination, it could be anything uh, that like, um, you know, that you're able to make something so imaginative and so, um, uh, you know, just so magical just out of like just a cardboard box, you know, just cutting it up and making it into some walls and things like that. Uh, so that is like, until uh, your cat that. sits in it. Then, then it's kind of a, yeah, 
If it yeah, sits, yeah. it fits. Then it's like, what are you doing? I'm sitting in the door four. <laughs> but I'm a cat. You can't tell me to do anything. I'm just gonna. It's a box. I have to now sit in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You live with the cat. The cat doesn't live with you. That's right. Yes, I grew up with cats. I don't own one right now, but I do. Mm. I did grow up with them. And yes, if I had a box, and there was a box nearby, and it was open, they're probably going to get in it. <laughs> and they never explain why. They don't have to explain themselves. They just do it. So, how did you make your start making flashy, lighty video games? Um. Yeah. Uh, well, the decision for me uh to be a game developer actually goes way back to when i was 13 years old Ooh, that far uh, back i do like this I, I do ask developers them how far do you want to go fetus mm. you know when, <laughs> when you were like two and you saw a keyboard and went wow so no well, what, I, what did you do what, i don't we, i don't yeah. think uh, fetal jason had many uh aspirations no, at that point he was maybe more, just you know, to grow yeah. a bit and then grow some more but yes yeah, look, yeah. Look, yes, um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, was, um, I was reading uh, Game Players magazine, I believe it was called, mm-hmm. uh, and there was an article in there about uh, like a school for game developers, and, uh, and like, it was talking about uh, DigiPen, Digipen uh, yes. which yes, we used to be run by uh, Nintendo. I don't even know if, I, yeah, it's around. I don't know if Nintendo still owns it or runs mm-hmm. it. But, um, Still but yeah, when I, okay, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, and then when I saw that article and I read through it, that's where like the like the whole notion of wait, 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 I can be a game developer, like I can, I can make games for a living, like I, I could be one of them because it always seemed like, um, uh, you know, because I, I grew up in a lot of small towns, so it, it always seemed like oh, that's something that other people do right. uh, you know right. like you don't become a movie star your friends don't become movie stars other people become movie stars yeah um it's just this, this magical other person yeah. mm-hmm. um and that's where like yeah i realized i i could do i i could be a game developer i love right. video games and right. i'm always thinking about them and so yeah and that's kind of what started uh started it all of where um, during uh, junior high and high school, I was like focusing a lot of my uh, a lot of my uh, elective classes on uh, arts and sciences of like chemistry, computer sciences, uh, calculus, things like that. Because like I had no idea what kind of jobs or what kind of skill sets even were needed for games. I just picked whatever seemed relevant. Uh, and then I eventually ended up going to. Um, uh, school in Vancouver, BC, Canada, uh, called at the time it was called the Center for Digital Imaging and Sound, but it was bought by Arts Institute or something. I think it's closed. I don't know. Um, and it was a game development or game design course, uh, two-year program. Right. Uh, went through that. Uh, they had no idea what they were doing, but I still made a lot of good friends and uh, good connections. And. Uh, but then my um, I kind of bummed around for two years working on a 3D artist portfolio because uh, like I figured I'm not going to get in as a junior game designer. It's going to like I'll have to go through a different route. I think uh, so. I went the 3D art route. Um, but then around that time, uh, Ubisoft Montreal uh, was growing like. Um, Prince of Persia, um, uh, oh, Sands yes, of Time ex- hadn't exploded, released yet. Didn't they? It was, um, oh, yeah, it was ridiculous. No one remembers how it happened. Like, 
Who are these people? Yeah. Who aren't EA? Who are they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Like, I yeah. mean, they were hiring full classes of people from my school because, mm. I mean, there was just uh, – there was not enough talent within Quebec. No. Uh, so they went really abroad in the rest of Canada. And uh, so my uh, my girlfriend at the time, she ended up moving across the country and like, getting a job there. Uh, then I followed uh, about a month and a half later. Um, kind of, you know, just leave everything behind, all my mm-hmm. friends and all my stuff, and just pack up some boxes and then go there. Just as uh, a side note, I'd love to sort of share this with you, but when you <laughs> do things like that and you do your movie, I've done it myself, you know, you, you realize nothing permanent in this world. Nothing mm. is permanent. And it's mm-hmm. really liberating. But you realize that, yeah, I've got all my stuff, but it's just stuff. You know, I mean, I'm going to lose some of it before we're on the trip, but that's okay. Because. Yeah. Nothing's permanent, and that's okay. Once you embrace that, um, it's a, you, it becomes less stressful, I find. But yeah, sorry, I interrupted there. Carry on. Oh, no, no, no. So, I mean, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, then, so you moved um, to Quebec, to Montreal, yep. and uh, you started work at Ubisoft, yes? Or not? Uh, no, I actually didn't. Um, okay. I applied around at um, different companies in Montreal, and... Uh, I got an interview at uh, uh, it was called um, at the time it was artificial mind and movement. Um, mm. They're called behavior now. So like working on uh, um, uh, Dead by Dawn, I think it is. Okay. And um, and it was for a level design position. And so that was weird because I was like, huh? Yo, I like applied as a 3D artist. Why is it level design? But like I had. The like I had level design classes, so it was kind of like the um, uh, right skill set for um, okay. for a totally different job. And um, so I, I left that interview. It went pretty well. It was like a full day interview, mm-hmm. uh, and then I had an interview at Ubisoft to work on um, uh, Splinter Cell Three. Uh, nuts! I forget what that one There's was so called. Many of them. I've forgotten. Yeah, it's too many. Chaos Theory, I think Chaos it was, um, yeah, okay. multiplayer. And it was uh, when I got out, uh, and it was for a level, uh, level artist position. When I got out of that meeting, mm-hmm. uh, I then immediately got a phone call, and it was A2M with like, hey, yeah, we want to offer you the job for level design. And I was like, all right, cool. Because like, I was like, I mean, design is my ultimate goal, and right. going from level design is a much more direct route than ah, uh, 3D right. artist. Than 3D artist, uh, right. Yeah, so I took it, and then, uh, you know, uh, my first game was uh, Scooby-Doo Unmasked, uh, PS2, you know, that generation game. Oh, right, and, okay. Yeah, and it, I mean, it was really cool, and uh, I remember when that game released, and I saw it on, um, I saw it on the shelves at uh, EB Games, and it was like, oh my god, yeah. I, I've done it. Oh, it's, it's real. It's, it's it's akin to when a musician hears their song on the radio for the first time. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I I did I made that happen. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Like, I mean, it was such a magical feeling. Mm. And then, um, uh, you know, then we had our copy from work, and I put the um, you know, I put the game on my PS2, started playing it, and I was like. I was the most ecstatic and like the happiest ever during that point because like 
you know, it, it, I did very mundane stuff like, uh, okay, place some collectibles here and uh, tune a little value there and just, you know, put cookies and like collectible uh, cookies mm. all around. But when I launched that game and then I see that one of the uh, breakable crates and I was just like, oh, yo, I put that crate there. That's amazing. Woo. And I did it. And, and like it is yeah. such a stupid yeah. thing looking back, but yeah. it makes so much sense. I think everyone, their first game, you know, it's just, yeah, they, they just, um, wow, people actually enjoying this stuff. That's the other, that's the, that's the other one. Like, yeah. You know, and also, I've, I've said this story before, forgive me, regular listeners, but when I'm playing games at Expos and the developers standing right next to me, um, one of the things I do get anxious about is I'm, they're looking at me. And if the game's like pre released, it usually is, it's like six months out or maybe even, sometimes even longer. And uh, they're looking at me, and um, while I'm playing the game, and um, um, it's it's a case of um, you know anxiety, thinking, do they think I'm an idiot? Do they <laughs> think I'm playing this like inappropriately? Am I doing just doing stupid things? Am I just being, you know, showing myself off? And every developer said, no, 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 God, no, no. We want to make sure <laughs> that you're actually getting something from this game. That's especially true with puzzle games. Because you know when mm. you get a puzzle game, I can't figure this out. I haven't got this. I can't, I can't figure this out. And there's been some games where I couldn't, I couldn't complete something because my hand-to-eye coordination isn't as, 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 as it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm rather old. I'm in my mid-40s. <laughs> so that means that oh, my okay. hand, it's, it's, it's going. So certain games are like, hey, I can't do this anymore. I know what to do, but what you're asking me to do, I can't do. And this developer's mortified, like, what do I do? So, well, you've got to slow it down. Well, that makes it too easy. Is it not for me? Mm-hmm. Oh, what do I do? So, I don't know. You've got to figure it out. Yeah. This is like, it's just so, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, yeah I find it's, that it's, um, yeah. that's when like the big, oh, sorry to interrupt, uh, but like the big kind of questions come up of, and I mean, they're, I guess they're philosophical in a way that like, who, like, do you want to adapt who this game is for and uh, and like like uh, your own artistic vision about what you want it to be, and yeah, I mean like making more game more available to more people, and uh, is it, definitely can be one of those. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a very uh, interesting moment when you come across that. So you obviously moved on from there. I mean, here we are in 2017. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, I remember yeah. when the PS2 was launched. I was there in the audience when they announced. The PS2 mm. at E3. Yes, seriously, I was there. <laughs> wow. I was freaking there. Sitting there in the audience. When, you, know, remember, you know, the conferences? The, so I was there. E3, 2000, sitting there, watching Phil doing his thing. Yeah. And everyone's getting really excited. And little did I know that there was really... There was, a, there was some stuff to get excited about in the PS2. Don't get me wrong. But not mm. that much. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I can't believe it's a retro machine now. What the hell? But yes. oh, I know, huh? Yeah, Jeez. yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah. Don't think about it. <laughs> All right. So, um, I think the last game I played on the PS2 is Fantavision. I know, I know, but it was That's not a launch game. It was. I was streaming it. I was streaming it. Ah, uh, okay, okay. I was streaming it because I'm thinking, well, no one's played this in ages, and there's a reason for that. Anyway, Oof. yeah, Oof. it's not. It's not bad. It's just a bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, um, so you obviously moved on. What did you move on to do? Uh, yeah, so um, 
after about five years at uh, A2M, I then moved on to uh, Ubisoft Montreal. Um, okay. And like I had a lead level designer okay. position there. there. It is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I started moving up in the uh, in the hierarchy, um, and um, and I after like uh, after a few games there, like I mean, uh, like I went from uh, lead level design to uh, like senior game designer, then to um, like on uh, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, and then. Uh, oh, well done, team! Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I'm actually quite proud of uh, the work I was able to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, and then um, and then I went on to be the uh, the team lead for the wildlife in Far Cry Three. Uh, so that was fun because uh, uh, it was all done in um, Shanghai, and so I had to, you know, some nights I'd stick around till like nine a.m. Wait, in order the wildlife, to to including the sharks? Oh my goodness! Yes, yes, wow. yeah. yeah, the sharks. They weren't pathetic. They were amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And they were a huge hassle uh, trying to get them to navigate 3D space. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, oh, I can so imagine. That, that's <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone you know were enamoured by those beings, but uh, you know you didn't want land sharks, which could have you know so easily happened. <laughs> uh, the best, uh, I think, the best surprise there was uh, for players was the uh, crocodiles. Uh, that was a lot of fun yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then after that, moved on to another project. Uh, eventually, became lead game designer. But um, the uh, about like a year and a bit into that project, um, I kind of started like stuff happened in my life. So then I started rethinking my position, where I was at, and what I wanted to do. And okay. um, yeah, and I, I just kind of realized that like no, nah, this I. I'm not happy here. Right. Like I'm not happy working uh, for other people like this um, under the giant corporate structure. Uh, and don't get me wrong, like I don't have beef with uh, with uh, like you know Ubisoft and other AAA you studios. Can't, you can't burn your bridges anyway, but nor nor do you have any issues. It's just that you no, don't want to work it. in that environment anymore, and that's perfectly fine. Yeah, no, and that's it. And some people do, and that's awesome. Uh, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. No. Um. Yeah, and then um, so I made the decision to quit, and you know I figured like, all right, I I can get some money in order to uh, in order to do this thing and start my own thing, and I I know a lot of people uh, have a lot of support, um, and with the Canadian government and a lot of the programs we have here, like um, it's a it's a very possible reality to. Um, you know, start an indie studio and yep. release a game. Yep. Um, at least on, you know, on the financial part of it, like the, the people part of it, that's a whole other matter. Okay. Um, so you and, took the plunge and uh, started up your own studio. Yeah. yeah. Named the, after the, uh, a full city in North Korea. That's brilliant. <laughs> um, and um, here you are with um, mm-hmm. your first title, I'm assuming. Yes, yeah, this is our studio's very first title. Um, yeah, Children of the Arts, which it doesn't show. Because, you know, oh, it's thank just, you. the polish is ridiculous. It's, oh, it, thanks. It pops out of the screen at me. It's everything, the lighting, especially mm. the lighting. Wow. You spent a lot of time on that. I can see you did. Uh, yeah, well, this, uh, our art yeah. director, she did a great job with the lighting. It's incredible. Anyway, um, 
we're jumping ahead ourselves, really. But um, so, so you know, that's that's quite that's quite a brave move. But um, so obviously, as as a creator of things, clearly you've been doing this for many many years. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is what do you think influences you as a creator? I know it's a it's a tough question to answer. And it's almost oh. a bit nebulous. But I want you know think just think on this. What is it that really do you think influences you? Um, the biggest thing that I would say that um, that influences uh, that influences me, uh, especially creatively, is and, and maybe this is a kind of like a kind of a very crappy stock answer mm. but don't worry. It's all right. uh, I, I mean like i have a lot of interest in a lot of places i'm also like in a lot of different areas i'm also the type of person that like um will sit and reflect on uh on things a lot like um uh like if like hey this is uh like i looked at this thing i found it interesting why did i find it interesting and then kind of trying to break it down maybe that's just the um mm. the training from being a game designer for over a decade um and but yeah like it 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 really comes from uh like it really comes from anywhere i guess like this is a really cheap answer and i'm sorry about that uh so that's fine the universe is a perfectly legitimate response to this question trust me (laughs) it is perfectly fine i've had everything from their pet dog to other Mm -hmm. games to I don't know, reality? And that's fine. That's perfectly fine and legitimate. You know, um, but it can be, for example, do you find yourself orbiting a certain topic? And how hard you try and pull yourself away, you still find yourself drawn to it. And that happens too. Um, And it could be any topic. It could be, you know, oppression or like societal oppression. Um, Or it could be, Something more focused, like um, the the you know the life cycle of a a moth. It could be anything, you know. Mm. Um, but it could then expand onto an entire game. Only you would know that that influence is embedded in the games you're making and the things you're doing, because you're the creator. No one. It's very difficult to draw that out when it's so nuanced and and so embedded that it's so ingrained in the things you make that maybe even you don't know that they're there. There might be a subconscious thing. Who knows? Yeah. Okay, well... um, I mean, to to respond with, I don't know, the the universe we live in, that's perfectly fine. Well, I do. Yeah. I do actually have a little bit more of a concrete answer. Okay. Uh, Like, uh, you're... uh, What you were saying is kind of when sparking things in me. Um, So a few things uh, are the kind of like the most tangible biggest influences are um well a big part is uh like japanese games especially japanese games uh that i played growing up okay um because like i mean you know during the snes and uh nes and uh you know like the 3228 bit eras uh like you know japan that's where like all like the amazing that's where the the big bulk of amazing stuff kind of really came from really innovative really uh uh really like super engaging stuff uh for me uh that's where it came from um, because you could (laughs) careful because you know in the the uk uh we didn't really you know 
latch on to the NES mm-hmm. uh, for a whole raft of reasons. We didn't really mm-hmm. get onto it, on board with it. Um, so we had 8-bit computers instead and stuff like yeah. that, which is fine. Yeah. I know you Americans and Canadians and North Americans didn't know this until very recently. They realized that, wait, you didn't have a NES. This is talking <laughs> to Europeans like, no, no, we didn't. What did you do then? And we show these thousands and thousands of games we made for 8-bit computers. And like, oh, okay. And then you look at this like, oh, look, it's uh, Elite. Yeah, we made that. Oh, God. So, <laughs> yeah, we did, we did our own thing. We did our own things. But no, you're right. The, oh, the, yeah, the games yeah. that coming out from Japan, I mean, I first was exposed to them via an MSX, MSX computers. Mm. Yeah. Um, Konami just threw everything you had at that machine. And uh, the MSX did arrive over here in the UK, and I have, I had one, and I have one still. Mm. Um, and uh, there were some amazing games on that machine. And you're right, stuff coming out of Japan. What really threw me about how the stuff coming out of Japan is how deep it was. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's kind of uh, that, that's kind of it. Like yeah. you were able to, you were really able to just dig into those games and really uh you know like to see how far you could push it um like just what level of strategy and tactics even you the simplest from, what, from the outset what would seem to be the simplest you know shoot them up whether it's left to right to up and down it doesn't matter you know what i mean mm-hmm. like you know nemesis or gradius as is known mm-hmm. elsewhere you know that's one of the first games prior to our type and you go Oh, this is just simple. Oh, no, wait, I've got power-ups. Oh, wait, no, I can speed mm-hmm. myself up. Oh, wait, I've got missiles. Oh, these things drop things. These things don't drop. Oh, God, what? And it just gets... Yeah. Oh, well, there's these boss monsters. What's this about? Death. It's all about, I believe, one of the defining in points about uh, Japanese games, and there's many, many defining points. One of the key ones is their obsession over layer upon layer upon layer of depth. Yeah, and, 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 that's, and that's amazing. And it really seems to come from the uh, like the whole um, uh, the big part of their culture about like mastering a single thing, like a single hobby right. type of thing. Whereas you know, um, the Western world, we generally have like a billion different hobbies. Oh yes, uh, how many like, of us have got guitars that haven't been played in decades? <laughs> you know, you yeah, know. exactly. Not exactly. me, not me personally, but I do know many friends who have guitars. Like, what's that there for? Oh, I used to play. Right, I got about yeah. two chords in, then I got bored. You know, it's but yeah, yeah. Japanese people apparently, sorry again, sweeping statement. Japanese yes, culture, apparently. so this is better. Japanese culture yeah. doesn't really isn't, isn't about that. Apparently, yeah. No, that's there's it. always and exceptions, so, and that's cool. But yeah, of course, yeah, of course, and yeah, and so you see that reflected in what it is that they create. Like, yeah, that again, like you're saying, that all those uh, those several layers deep type of thing. And, um, and like, for me, the biggest thing that kind of came from that, uh, from a lot of those games that I played, were because I was so invested, so engaged in them in order to, like, just drill down as far as I could, um, I built up a lot of memories of these games. And so, like... Right. Um, uh, this whole thing of like, yeah, you know, I still remember when I, um, you know, doing uh, like all the grinding or whichever in Final Fantasy One and, and things like that, um, and that that idea of like 
remembering a game for years, decades after I played it, um, because I was so uh, engaged with it. That is um, uh, that is probably the 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 biggest thing that um, uh, that that I pull from in when I'm being uh, when I'm uh, when I'm uh, developing a game. That idea that yes, let's let the player like let's put all this depth in and or let's give the opportunity for depth at least so that players can dig in and be engaged and uh, generate real memories like um you know uh uh like it, w- for example when i'm uh, when i'm playing like uh, call of duty when i played modern warfare 2 there were a lot of spectacular things that happened in it but like it w- it was spectacular and happening at me as a player um like i'm I'm talking about the single player campaign like you know big buildings exploding and all this kind of stuff but like i don't have involvement in it this is like i'm not engaged in it it's fun to watch and play through Mm -hmm. but once it's done like because like it wasn't self-motivated and i didn't get really much out of it um like i don't really remember it like i know i remember the bits that I interacted with, like the A10, was it A310 gunship uh, where you're flying? Yeah, the, and that you remember that. It's modern, modern Warfare Four. I think I was or, a four, one, yeah. sorry. Yeah, 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 one, yeah, 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 think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get because they're all mushed together. I haven't played the later ones for the reasons you're giving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. like, well, it's just one, one more. It's just, it's like no one watches the Transformers films anymore. Why? Well, there's thousands of reasons why. But the well, I say no one. I don't. Um, I'm no interest in them. But you know, it's just more explosions, and just you know, it's not. It's it, again, it's another cardboard utopia. It scratches the surface. There's, there's nothing there. It's just lots of explosions and racist robots. I mean, it's just you know, it's just, it's just terrible. Um, sorry, everyone cites that as just terrible. It is. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean that's that's a wonderful. I mean, it does show. It does. You, you're saying that. Come on, let's just make this. There's more to to this than than. There's some games have, have worked fine with a, a shallow aspect to them because therefore you can then that puzzle games are fantastic for that because that's all about a laser beam. This is what you can do. This is what I'm expecting you to do. Get better at it. Off yeah. you go, and that's fine. But in games like well, certainly what you've made or Children of uh, Zodiac uh, is is just you know it's it, it's it's multi layered upon multi layer. So, my next question uh, to you uh, in this first half is: um, What developer do you most admire in the industry, and why? Um, I I would say uh, Shinji Mikami because um, he all his games aren't. I mean, he's got a lot of hit and miss. A lot of miss. Let's be honest, um, but like, what are your favorites of his? Do you think? Oh well, uh, I mean, Resident Evil Four is uh, amazing, wasn't it? I mean, what the yeah. hell happened? We had well, three, which was really mediocre, in my opinion. To mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. no, I know, I know, and, and like, I mean, I, I, I completely, I have so much respect for him to have the uh, the gall to just like all right you know what this project it's been going on for three years it's canned let's start all over 
you know? And, uh, I mean, granted, he did, like, he, he, the he investors a, don't like that, but... No, he did a blizzard. Yeah. That's yeah, what yeah, I, yeah. I call that when I hear people do it. Like, oh, you did a blizzard. You, you took all that years of development and threw almost all of it. Not all of it, but almost all of it in the trash. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I get it. It's super frustrating. Uh, especially <laughs> if you've been working on a game for so many years. Mm. Um, but, like... Uh, I guess I'm not. I wasn't in the position of being on that team, so I can't really say for that. But I mean, in terms of the outcome, I mean, Resident Evil Four is one of the most influential games uh, in recent time. Well, People recent. still talk about it. We're doing it now. People yeah, celebrate no, exactly. it to this day. Exactly. There's not exactly. many games that can boast that. You know, we're talking. It's like a handful of games that people talk about affectionately after decades after their release. Mm -hmm. yeah and uh so he and and like i mean and uh, it was uh underrated or well yeah uh god hand was no god hand was awesome yeah amazing Um, haven't played the sequel yet i should fix that but yeah um god hand was amazing yeah 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 it's a good choice i mean a lot of developers i I ask that question they sort of they bristle they go i don't want to hurt anyone's feelings that's okay it's all right (laughs) I don't. Uh, I mean, like, it's not to say that I don't risk. Like, uh, I don't uh, admire all the people the you, you know, the people you work with over the years and stuff. That's a given, isn't it? Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. you wouldn't have got the far as where you, as far as you've got, or you know. So, yes, that's a given. I just, I just want you to give you a chance to say that person there, they should carry on doing what they're doing. That'd be great. Awesome. So the last question, this is my favourite question because it makes mm-hmm. me it, it a bit more relaxed because we're going to go into the second half and we're going to talk about the game you've been working on for the past X amount of years and decades. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about other games a little bit. Why not? Sure. Because the best Sounds game good. developers and they play other games as well. So, Jason, what are you playing right now? <laughs> right now I'm not playing anything. Oh, no, no. But what uh, you, what's what most recently you can you can think of that you managed to distract yourself away for that brief moment before you could have to um, get back on the horse? Uh, well, I'll t- I'll, I mean, I, I take uh, Metro and be, stuff. Yeah, so, it, like, there are games I play in Metro on the Metro. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I'll talk about, like, uh, like, oh, you know, I made the decision to make time for this game. Yes. Um, and it's, um, it's, a uh, Binding of Isaac, uh, Afterbirth. Can't believe Dude. that game was a, was a side thought, a side project. Can you believe yeah, that? Yeah, I know. He's like, know. oh, I just made this thing. I don't know. It's kind of dark. It's, it's, you know, have fun with it. It's, there you go. Yeah. Why are you and still playing this game? You know, it's, he's, he's, he's dumbfounded. I think I it's know. more. I think it's more successful than Super Meat Boy. I think it might well be. I think so. Yeah. I definitely think so. Yeah, um, yeah and I mean, yeah, I, uh, I, I love that game. I put so many hours into it. Like over the over the past few years, it's been out on uh, PS4. Because um, I mean, it was just it was a PS Plus game, and I was like, eh, okay, whatever, let's try it out. Blech. And because I wasn't really super interested in it, but then I played it and like. You'll forget about it. Like I was hooked. Um, like uh, okay, uh, gonna head out to um, gonna head out to work. Uh, um, but then like um, I have like five minutes or whatever because the girlfriend's going to brush her teeth, and so I boop, loaded up 
play a bit of rooms. Uh, okay, yeah, all right, let's go. And just like, just wow. All these you know when you when now you you in that in that place of the game, you, you're yeah, you, it's it's at, it's at your mercy. It's just <laughs> it's yeah, wow. It's such a dark game as well. Subject matter. The oh fact yeah. That your weapons are your bloody tears. It's just so horrible. It's just, <laughs> the more I think about it, it's just down there with Darkest Dungeon. It's just really messed up. Yeah, and, and, and like stuff that's not even super like doesn't really draw much attention to it. Like what was that that one boss with the uh, cleft palate? Um and uh, and everything and it's just like yeah, yeah this is a lot of like this 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 ain't right like no no <laughs> it's not just keep playing though why it's really just keep playing it's fine yeah you know, that is interesting you know how uh, the subject matter can you know a lot of people say I'm not playing that why because look what it's about like yeah I know there is that so, well I can I can understand that like I mean like. Uh, it does like the the audio of that game. It's very uh, you know squishy and uh, everything squishy, bodily fluidy. Yes, yeah, anything's about squish. Yeah, squish. a lot of vomiting and farting and yeah. Yeah, well, can, oh dear. <laughs> but yeah, no, good choice, good choice. Anything else? Um, move. Really, huh? uh, in terms of a game I make time for in the past year. Uh, well, I mean, there was Dark Souls 3 when that came out. Okay, I definitely okay. had to give that time, right. um, even at the cost of sleep. But yeah, I'm a huge fan of I the Souls series. Dark Souls 2. Mm-hmm. So I played Demon Souls. Hell, I played mm-hmm. Kingsfield. Okay, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I didn't there pull that go. far. So, so yeah. So um, I'm actually trying to find a new copy of Kingsfield because my old copy vanished somewhere. It's really hard to find. Um, yeah, but anyway, uh, Demon Souls and stuff like that. All by, all by From Software. But anyway, I was at Gamescom about three years ago. When did when did 2 come out? Something like that. This is uh, before 2 came out. And the developer yeah. came out. And he was showing off the game. And he was really, really humble. Mm-hmm. To the point, he was going, is this okay? Is this any good? <laughs> I don't know. Have we gone the wrong way with this? It's exactly he was. He was deeply humble, and he just didn't understand the popularity of the game at all. Couldn't comprehend it. Like, is this just any good? I don't know. Do you, do you think this is? Have we gone wrong with this? I don't know. That, is that mm-hmm. so? Very strange to to see that. But it was just like he just couldn't. Well, he was a lead designer on one of on on it, and he was describing how you know who was, and it's like. And he was really, really interested in what we had to say, the feedback, and he mm-hmm. just didn't have any confidence in it at all. At all. Um, mm. I'm not sure if you encountered that in your career, um, but it's just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, this is this is rubbish. And uh, it was, you know, imposter syndrome all over, which is, oh, you God, know, yeah. which is rampant in the video game industry. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we did our best to, you know, say, no, this, this is the best thing ever since ever. Like, mm-hmm. Really? I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a it's a tough uh, thing to struggle with. Yeah, yeah, but uh, there it is. I mean, they just keep doing it. They keep bashing away. But um, I, I got the board game for it. Oh yeah, how uh, is it? Yeah, don't. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not. It's um tries to replicate the grindiness of uh, Dark Souls, which is stupid because that's the worst part of Dark Souls. So why would you want to replicate that? 
So I don't know. I really like that about Dark Falls. Oh damn! There you go. Sorry. Okay. Well, this show's now done. Um, yep. All right. So no, thank you. To replicate yep. that on a on a board game is, I think, it's a bit yeah. off. Um, no. Yeah. It doesn't really. You know, they got the right sort of balance of combat and showing how difficult that is, and mm-hmm. positioning and timing being critical. But mm-hmm. <sighs> no, it's just well, that's my 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 beef with it. You know, yeah. You know, they tried. They did replicate the video game, but you shouldn't do that in a board game environment because it just sort of falls flat. No, yeah. I mean, we definitely found that while trying to do uh, Children's Zodiacs. Yeah. Um, There's some, yeah. Uh, some some aspects that do work and some aspects that don't, which was quite timely that you raised that because we're going to talk about Children's Zodiacs okay. right That's now. All right. So that's the end of the first half. Well done. You made it. Hooray. Awesome. Yay. Let's move on to the second half we discuss in depth Children of Zodiacs. So, Jason, mm-hmm. tell us, first question, it's not really a question, it's a request, what is Children of Zodiacs? Uh, okay, alright, so Children of Zodiacs is a tactical role-playing game, uh, kind of like um, uh, in the genre of like uh, uh, Shining Force and Shining Force, like there that. you go, Shining Force and... Well, more famous, because Shining Force isn't as famous as it should be, in my humble opinion. Oh, no, um, no. That's so frustrating. Um, yeah. Final Fantasy Tactics, let's do that. Yeah, the, the king of uh, the most fondly remembered of the genre, and um, definitely not the first, but you. still like beloved by that's, any fan. I actually have Shining Force CD on my Mega CD. Oh, oh really? I know. I've no idea how rare that is. Apparently, it's really rare. But I'm like, yep, I got it! Yay! Yeah. Anyway, it's a good game. It's a really good game. So you're right. It's a tactical RPG. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a tactical RPG. Um, and uh, but what makes the game different from the other games of the genre is that it's combined with uh, collectible cards and craftable dice. Uh, so it has like a strong, I mean, very obvious uh, board game influence on it. And um, uh, so 
in this game, in Children of the Zodiacs, all of your um, all of your abilities, your spells, your attacks, they're all executed through cards that your characters, uh, each of your heroes have, uh, and they'll unlock new cards as they level up, and then you go in the deck builder, and um, and then for each card you play, you then roll a set of dice, and um, uh, they're physics-based uh, simulated dice, so you're actually uh, you know shaking and then throwing them and seeing them bounce all around. Uh, and what makes uh, they're not they aren't numerical dice. Uh, they're symbol-based dice, so that each of the symbols has a different effect of, like, draw a card, increase your damage, uh, heal yourself a little, trigger special effects on cards. And um, so whenever I tell people about that, uh, there's a lot of worry about uh, RNG, about randomness, because uh, generally randomness and outcome is a bit counter to tactics of reliable outcomes and things. Uh, so what I, uh, what we did with this game, cause we knew that our, uh, randomness would be, and, you know, luck would be a big factor, uh, a big worry going into this game. So, um, we, we put in a lot of mechanics in so that it's, the game's not just about luck, that it's, it's about, uh, influencing luck and that, um, the choices you make like are definitely skill based and you can see a difference between uh, like a uh, player someone playing for the first first time and then someone playing for like uh, the hundredth time um, and uh, so whenever you roll the dice you're then able to select up to two dice to pick up and then re-roll uh, so that you know you can try to edge yourself towards a certain outcome uh, and then when you um Whenever you complete battles, you collect more dice of different strength, different different symbol configuration, so that you can then equip them on your heroes and uh, you know just kind of increase the odds of getting certain dice like um, uh, certain symbols. So that when you do reroll, like say you want to get a, a heart to heal yourself a bit, you know you look for a dice that has uh, that has a good chance. Like three of the sides of the six are um, are hearts. Okay. That one has a good chance uh, of rolling, of getting at heart. So you're not going to pick that one. So you still are making a lot of choices uh, during the game. And uh, kind of going beyond that in terms of the influencing luck idea, uh, all the excess dice that you've collected, you actually use them to craft and put different symbols on the dice that you have to change them around. Uh, like if there's like a, uh, if there's like a like a draw card symbol. On the uh, on the dice, mm-hmm. and you want to change it to no. I need more. Um, I need more star symbols in order to uh, uh, trigger special effects on my cards. So you know you can craft that symbol. Uh, you know replace that draw card with a star. Um, and uh, and yeah. So like uh, you know you, there are all these mechanics. Uh, so you can kind of tailor the dice, increase the odds of getting certain outcomes. Um, and then in battle. Uh, there are buffs and debuffs that you can put on yourself and your enemies and such that will add dice to your uh, dice roll for a few turns of like, right. um, like hey, these are this is a sharp dice buff. So like really powerful, um, uh, like shard dice, like shards increase the strength of uh, attacks and healing. Um, so yeah, uh, with that buff, you're more likely to do a lot more damage and things. Uh, and that was kind of the really fun part of trying to figure out. All right, just take the um, like standard 
uh, you know, tactical RPG uh, or general RPG, uh, you know, tropes and such, and adapting them to be integrated into the cards and dice system that we have. Uh, so that was a lot of fun, and um, uh, I think uh, for the most part we were pretty successful in in uh, making sure that, like, yeah, it like it's not just a buff of a plus three attack. Like, no, it's this dice that um, will give you that um, plus three or maybe nothing because it lands on a shield side or something like that. No, but, that's, uh, it's, it, it's, it reminds me a lot of um, Star Wars Destiny. Um, are you familiar with that game? No, I am not. So Star Wars Destiny is a collectible card game. Um, mm. It was released... A year ago by Fantasy Flight. Is it a year ago? No, beginning, at the beginning of this year. So it's not very old. And um, it has cards, but it has dice. And so each, some cards have dice attached to them. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Um, you, you play as two characters, and or actually not two characters. You can play as multiple characters, but typically it's two. Uh, it can be done to one. And um, as you put the cards down, you then have dice and then you, mm-hmm. when you trigger the, the cards, you then roll the dice. And mm-hmm. depending on what these dice do, then gives you an influence over what these cards do. Um, it's much more brutal than <laughs> Zodiacs um, because the, the, the sides of the die can be really quite horrible and terrible. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, look, it's a red blank thing. I can't do anything with that. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the, the game, the criticism against the game is this is way too random. Because mm-hmm. one minute, you know, there's been situations where I've sat down and I said, okay, I've got my plan, I've got my... And then there's someone's just put there, suddenly triggered everyone, which is a terrible <laughs> thing to do because that can, mm-hmm. that's a big risky thing to trigger everyone at the same time. So, okay. And they've got an ability to do that. So, okay. And then they rolled this dice and it wiped out my characters. And I'm like, oh, great. Well, the game's over? Yep, pretty much. But just one turn? Yep. <laughs> right they didn't really think this through did they because it's just you know the the way they rolled the dice she just basically you know out of sheer luck sheer mm-hmm. luck obliterated me in just one foul swoop there's nothing I could do to stop it and I, I didn't even get my chance to do anything it was just dead mm-hmm. so Zodiacs it's a very different design philosophy it's not that and uh, we're going to delve into that deeper. But uh, no, thanks for that excellent explanation. Because it's, unless you see it running and see it for yourself, it's very difficult to describe. Um, yeah. It's really yeah. tough. So you did a really good job there. Um, I'm not saying that because you're on the show. But no, it's <laughs> to say that it's a card game like, you know, Metal Gear Acid. And it kind of like that. Um, mm-hmm. with Mixed with dice, which does ruffle little feathers like you say the randomness but and dice are yeah. there to enhance you're going to execute that move don't worry it's going to happen you're going to punch them but hey if you roll pretty good you're going to punch them just a little bit harder or conversely hey, if you roll these dice and you're going to get healed up just a little bit more you know. yeah and and like uh, that's where yeah we definitely uh, maybe I'm going too far uh, ahead of us, but like um, the dice are not a—they're uh, not really—they're not a fail state. They're—they—they—it they, um, creates different. It, it creates varying degrees of success, and I mean it all I mean, kind of could, based around could, what you want. 
we, since we're on the dice, we can delve into that now. I mean, yeah. it's basically a later question, but I'll ask it now. So the dice rolling does add a perceived element of chaos to the combat, but it's not there. How do you believe you communicate to the player that whilst the dice are important, they're not the be-all and end-all of engagements? Uh, um, that... That that part has actually been um, a very tricky one because, mm-hmm. uh, like you're saying, you, you don't really get an idea of what the game is until you watch it mm. and you see it in action. And a bit further than that, you don't really get a sense of uh, how things come together unless you play it, which is uh, super difficult, like uh, marketing-wise, because it's, it's kind of like 3D TVs, like, yeah... Trust us. Yeah, I hope that didn't work uh, out, did it? So you know, it's <laughs> yeah, bad, bad reference, but yeah, <laughs> it's uh, or I, VR is probably a better one. You know, until you've actually seen, yeah. experienced it, you can't really promote VR very easily. It's very, very nah. hard. But it seems to be working. Yeah, yeah, and, and like it, the dice thing. Um, it's something that we notice. It comes to players as they. It takes some time, like uh, usually one battle before they kind of start realizing um, uh, that, like while um, your while the uh, success of that attack itself, uh, the card you use doesn't uh, doesn't determine everything. The the dice they do uh they do matter uh they they affect like they matter. outside of that outside of that yes. ability like to the greater uh tactical level of things um and so usually it takes uh in the usual flow that i see of uh when people play the game like uh when they first start playing they just kind of throw the dice they don't really care um, are not really paying too much attention to them, uh, but then near the end of the uh, the first map, they're um, like, oh, okay, wait. I mean, I can actually do. Uh, I can you know maybe have a little bit more success with a certain card uh, if I try to get more shards or trigger that special effect. Um, and then so they'll play they'll play another map, and then they're kind of all right using. Uh, uh, using the re-roll more intentionally, but still within the uh, confines of that card. Um, but then around the uh, the start of like the third battle or end of the, that second battle, they kind of start spotting that opportunity of like, oh, okay, no, there's there's a reason to roll for more than just the uh, just the shards to do more damage. Yeah. Um, that like, yeah, maybe like, yeah, this shard will. Uh, this dice came up as a shard, so it's going to do more damage. But maybe I should try to re-roll this one to get a draw card, and, um, and so that you know it 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 kind of uh, like you know I, I, like I keep running out of cards and I don't want to spend my turn doing a draw card action. But if I can do uh, if I can get the draw card symbol, then I can uh, like that'll stop me from having to uh, lose a turn to draw to. Um, to fill up my hand again, yeah, and yeah, so like that—that's those layers slowly come to players that they uh, they figure it out, um, and yeah, so it's not so much that, um, and like this is difficult because like we couldn't because we don't know what the dice are the result is going to be because uh, it is like fully random and all, like all, all physics driven, 
Uh, and we don't know what you want because in one situation you may want uh, you may want to do more damage with a shard, but in another situation, oh no, damage is not important. You want to go for hearts or the stars or whatever. Like we don't know what you want, so we have no idea. Um, like we have no idea how to. Uh, I guess kind of really communicate the um, and like explicitly tell the player you should do this, you should do no, that. They have, they have to experience it. They have to. They yeah. Have to, they have to place themselves at risk themselves. You can't explain that to them. No, that's it. And, and like yeah. I mean, the um, and the general philosophy though that we took with the uh, tutorial stuff of what we did explicitly tell the player. Uh, and this kind of goes into um, the types of tutorial experiences that, mm. uh, that 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 I like the most. Are okay. Tell me, tell me the rules. Tell me the param- like the parameters and such. Give me that information, but don't tell me how to be good at the game. No. Tell me how to play it. Just I'll figure out how to be good at it. And like Credit that's me with some intelligence. Way more. It is, no, th- it that's is. it that's it and like the reward of figuring that out is huge yeah um like you know we always uh, as game designers are always hearing about like oh you want to make the player feel smart and clever because um, that's a very rewarding feeling um but then we go with the tutorials that explicitly lo- lay out the the best possible strategy to use and like okay cool you've I didn't figure anything out. You just told me what to do, and this is like, and you. This it's is like the optimal to, strategy. It's akin to explaining someone a game of chess, mm. then explaining to them every single pattern <laughs> that you could possibly use to play in chess, which is a vast tome or tomes. Yeah, okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Now you know how to play chess and all of this. Yeah. Are you having fun yet? So. My next question is, um, why did you take the decision to make positioning of attacks so important during engagements? Well, that was... Um, uh, we actually didn't... We originally didn't have uh, the the, ori- the direction you're facing and that whole thing yeah. in the game at all at first. Um, but we... We um, like during our prototyping phase, where we you know we're just throwing any idea and just trying anything out. Um, like we say, okay, well, let's just try this. I mean, it didn't. Uh, we didn't think it'd be at too much because uh, you know we could have spent that time focusing elsewhere. Um, but like, it, it, yeah, I mean, it just really uh, hammered. Uh, like, it, it gave that additional uh, tactical choice. Um, that's available to the player, and uh, like yeah, it just really um, uh, it really reinforced. I think it's the, fantastic. Uh, I think I, th- I think it's fantastic. It's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Why it, wouldn't you get advantage when you're flanking? Why wouldn't you? Yeah, and, so, and you, know. you kind of understand then why it's it is such a trope of uh, like it's just a, a staple of um, like tactical grid-based yeah. combat yeah. uh you know like that yeah that that is that extra layer um the trick is just kind of how important 
are you going to make this to your game? Like, do you does every attack have to be uh, from the back, or else anything else is going to be uh, worthless? Um, you know that that you kind of need to find a balance mm. uh, in your own game. Mm. You've mentioned it already, but um, crafting is quite important in Children of the Zodiacs. How did this mm-hmm. come about? How did the crafting come about, and uh, how have you prevented it from breaking the underlying game system? Um, the crafting, it came about from like a, actually a large brainstorm session of because um, our office uh, we work in a shared working uh, a shared working space called um, a gameplay space where it's devoted to indie developers. Okay, um, and. The um, like got a lot of us together, uh, just kind of, and it happened during the before the prototyping phase. But um, we just kind of got a lot of us together uh, from a lot of different teams, and um, we just kind of split up into groups and uh, just followed a process laid out by um, uh, one of the uh, producers that works here. In, uh, we used to work here in the office, um, uh, Derek. And, yeah, where we split up, kind of threw it ideas, and then the ideas would be exchanged between the two groups, and then we all vote and kind of see what comes up. Uh, Since we're all designers, we all talk about and uh, uh, kind of pull it apart and flesh it out together. Um, But the, the, the basic idea of, like, yeah, crafting, being able to change attributes of your dice uh, whatever those attributes would be um, just kind of really stuck out for a lot of us and uh, so we kind of started playing around and thinking about it and we worked up um, like we needed to think up something that fit within the confines of the game uh, that we couldn't just do any idea of crafting Um, but we tried it out and it was, uh, it, it seemed like a good idea. Uh, but then when we went, and then, okay, we'll, we'll uh, implement this a bit later, uh, and, you know, evaluate it a bit later. Right. Yeah. But, but then, um, during our prototyping, we kind of, um, uh, as we're, you know, we do uh, a whole bunch of new features, and then as a team, get together, play the game, and then talk about it afterward. And what we kind of found was that uh, a lot of uh, people like, oh, you know, I keep getting these symbols and those symbols. I don't really understand them. I don't know why I want them. Or, or well, that, that kind of comment came up in the team uh, quite a bit. And we'd find that our answer to it was, well, I mean, if you could change it, if you could change that symbol to something else, then that problem kind of goes away. Uh, and then because we kept bringing that up and up again as a solution, we realized like, okay, wow, this actually is a... Uh, a kind of a really important aspect that it will um, it further allows the player to um, you know again influence the luck by uh, changing what symbols they have on their dice uh, and so it just and it fit really well uh, into the whole philosophy and the vision of the game so we um, so yeah we put a lot more priority on it to make it and um, we definitely knew that uh, making like an omni dice of like it's nothing but lightning bolts and everything, or uh, just uh, like this dice is all one s- same symbol on each face to guarantee um, 
what we kind of uh, like we knew that was a problem so then uh, you know kind of think about ways to like all right how can we address this problem but still in a way that um, uh, drives players to want to uh, like craft instead of like totally killing off the crafting system like oh there are too many limitations screw it I don't want to use a crafting system anymore right uh, so that was a pretty tricky one we played around with a lot of different ideas and then ultimately ended up with this um, with a system where uh, the way you uh, the way you craft a symbol is it requires um, certain a number of other symbols so like this to craft a, a shard four or something it requires two star symbols and three shields and right. the lightning yeah. bolt or whichever yeah. and then so very you expensive pick dice. yeah, yeah. Gonna, yeah. yeah and then kind of control that that way that um uh yeah like through the um the gain of resources uh you know kind of uh, have a very like have a gate but a soft gate mm. um to what you can craft and when you can craft it um and so that like you know it it feels less like a restriction and more of a motivation to go collect more dice because okay. like oh, i can collect these dice i can collect little symbols yeah sure fine yeah i'm gonna yeah. you know play this uh, other map these uh, skirmish maps a bit um and then there was also the uh, locking, uh, locking of certain faces on the yes. dice. Yes. Uh, that and that was uh, that. Uh, it seems like uh, like on paper, it's uh, an interesting idea of like, okay, you you um, need to make a choice of which dice you keep, which ones you don't, which ones you build up, and, and etc. Because like, yeah, this might have uh, this might have uh, two of the faces are are locked, but you really love those. But then the third one, you might not need it. So mm. do you want to try to find a different dice or whichever? Um, and so it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting decision for the player. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of does it work, we uh, well we actually haven't heard much feedback regarding it. Uh, people have talked about it on uh, on forums and such, but they're more just talking about it, uh, not really not, um, not saying, saying anything breaking good or anything. bad. That's yeah. good. That's good. So yeah, in that yeah. sense, I think uh, I'm quite okay with how it worked out. Excellent. Last question. Yeah. I know all good things come to an end. But this one's a bit peculiar. Like, I had to rewrite it several times to to explain what I'm trying. I'm gonna have a. I'm gonna have a go. Mm-hmm. Here we go. The story and character interaction play a huge role in Children of Zodiacs. How has that influenced the design of the combat engagements? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's um. In several. Uh, in several ways. Um, I mean, I'm right. It has, isn't it? I yeah, think it yeah, has, yeah. yeah. yeah the, the narrative definitely and the characters they definitely have uh, influenced things. Mm. Um, we weren't like uh, you know, uh, for example, uh, in the in the narrative, I'm not sure how. Uh, I don't want to spoilers. Yeah, no, you can do uh, a like a nebulous thing, like you say. Well, let's just say this character needs to be in this place but they're in this other place 
I mean, for example, in the opening segment, there's a thing that happens where another character appears mm-hmm. halfway through, and they appear from uh, a certain vantage point over the other player's character that they're controlling as your sort of a tutorial thing. Yes. And that, to me, that split-level design that you created was clearly influenced, not just because it was the opening level and opening engagement, but also demonstrated the multiple... You know, there's a there's a character interaction. There's quite a a lovely interaction between the the, the characters you're playing, the player characters, and the NPCs, and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. It's very entertaining. It's very well written, and I just thought looking at that and this 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 whole that whole thing carries on from then and keeps on going and going like that. And I just thought there was an aspect of your level design was being influenced by what these characters are doing. But yeah, like uh, we, uh, you know, we also had like a, a world, an idea of the this uh, the city of Taurus where the game takes place, how it would be laid out, like uh, both horizontally and vertically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then so we tried to build that into the level, so you get a sense like, okay, now you're going up, because um, uh, this is on the hillside of uh, of the city and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, yeah, so we, we definitely tried to uh, to do that, give you the sense that you're uh, in one of the environments that you're uh, battling through the different styles of architecture yep. within there. Yep, yep. Um, and yeah, you're saying uh, like the the narrative scenario drives the uh, the setup of yep. combat. Um, and you don't have a big bag of levels and go, oh, we can use that one and this one. Like, no, it just—it doesn't work with the flow. It wouldn't make any sense if, you know, that's—that's yeah. that's my point. It was just no. It, the, the story was feeding the, the design of the game interaction itself, which is what it should be doing. Mm, yeah, like I mean, uh, when the things kind of uh, when. St- you know, it gives it a reason for something being the way that it is, which yes. when there are reasons and justifications for things, mm-hmm. there's more meaning behind it, and that the player, whether they know it or not, gets a sense of it. Um, okay. So, like, and yeah, and then it kind of builds an appreciation, especially when you kind of figure it out. Uh, yeah, and, and like, um, uh, with what you were saying, a lot of the maps were, the level designs were done after the story yeah. beats were written like all right we knew all right uh, this part is going to be a battle so um and this is what's going on this is what it where it came from where it leads to so this is uh like how we need to build the level and uh yeah it was challenging at times like some of them were like uh oh damn it damien the you know the, the writer like yeah. what did you write okay we need to figure this thing out how do we do this um yeah how sometimes we, yeah uh, how, do, how do we stop put, hit pause on the story and go Okay, now now the player must succeed in yeah. this engagement, and you just made you've put a donkey in the middle of it. What are we supposed to do with this? <laughs> what are we yeah. to do with the donkey? We can't kill the donkey. People don't want that. But yeah, but it's a it's a plot point. Ugh. Yeah. So and, yeah, and, and then another area that the narrative influenced the 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 gameplay and the game design is in the character in the cards. Um, that they weren't just uh, the cards that were designed by Sam, 
our uh, design director, he they weren't just willy-nilly, um, like, no. okay, this, then, this, that. Like, okay, no, what is the personality of the character? What is the... Um, uh, what is the... Uh, like, how can this... The, the card reflect the character and their and uh, who they yeah. are and and yeah. how they approach their own power type of thing like um of uh, like a character that might uh unleash like just push themselves too far like it takes advantage of a lot of uh negative attributes and things like that uh to kind of reinforce that uh the personality of a character um yeah, yeah so like um eh, not 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 everyone's noticed that, but like some people have, and that's super awesome. Yeah, well, which is kind you. of the best you can hope for with yeah, those things. Is, yeah, yeah, it's a holistic thing. All game, best game design is holistic. Mm. So, Jason has been fantastic having you on. Thank you for being so open and honest about the uh, creation of uh, Children of Zodiacs and also your career today. It's uh, it's quite amazing. So well done, and thank you for so sharing your time with us today. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, so um, it's out now on uh, Windows PC. Any other platforms? Forgive me, I've... Um... No worries. Uh, it's out now on Windows. You can buy it on Steam. Uh, you can also... Um, it's also out on the PlayStation 4, and uh, it's on sale right now in North America and Europe. Excellent. So well done. I mean, two very different platforms. At least mm-hmm. they used to be different. Um, yeah. But uh, changed ever, a lot. ever since uh, when they said, "Yeah, we're going to make a make it like a PC," took your time. Yeah, I know. Sorry <laughs> about that. Damn. Yeah, it's also helped developers a lot. Yeah, this custom hardware nonsense. Stop it. Yeah, yeah. sorry about that. But um, it will work great on a tablet as well. But I'm sure you've got plans for that. Um, but there's a there's if you've played the fighting fantasy books games, have you played those? No, I haven't. Uh, well, the reason I say that is because they have dice rolling in them. And hmm. you, the dice roll across the screen, and you'll love this bit. They roll across, you actually shake the, the tablet to do it. And you shake oh, that's, tablet, that's and good. And the dice roll across. Then you can hit the bottom, just as they're about to settle, right? You mm-hmm. can tap the bottom of the, the tablet, and then mm-hmm. they go jumping around again. Because say, say it's about to rest on a one, you go, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. No, come on, come on, let's do this again. Mm-hmm, it's, it's, mm-hmm. fat, it's great. I, I'm not going to say. Not only is it a great game, but you professionally, you need to look at these games because they are, they are on tablet, and I think they're on PC now as well. I know they are, and you can see okay. the dice rolling across. And it's just, you know, it's again, you, you, they have the same system of physics, real physics dice just rolling across. They haven't got special faces; they're just one to six. But the point is, right. you're they're doing stat rolling, you're doing combat, and you're doing rolls to do skill checks and. Yes, you succeeded, or no, not so great. You know, it's awesome. It's really good. So, yeah, very okay. best of luck um, with, with this and your future endeavours, whatever they may be. And you're more than welcome to come back on the show and talk about your next game, whatever that is. Um, Excellent. Yeah, but I hope you had a good time. Yeah, and had a great time. Thank yeah, you. It's uh, a different experience, like I said, when I warned you about it. But uh, <laughs> So, yeah, thanks very much. And thank you. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review. And you can also, don't forget, listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter 
at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. And uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show, or actually you're a developer who listen to the show and want your game featured on it, please do email me at chris at spong.com. Also, don't forget to check out the Computer Game Show, which is the stablemate podcast, should we say, of spong.com. Bye! Thank you.